Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that has gathered us together today. We thank you that your Holy Spirit opens up our hearts and our minds to hear from you, to be reminded of the love you have for us, but also to see what it means for us to carry this love in the world. Lord, continue to open up our hearts. Convict us where we need convicting. Guide us where we need guiding. And comfort us where we need comforting. In your holy name we pray. Amen. We are continuing the Easter season. For the church, the Easter season continues for another three weeks. And this week's focus is Easter living is loving. Easter living is loving. And one of our challenges, though, is that to remember that the, the core message of the Christian church, the core message of Jesus is a message of love. Now, not everyone hears that. Sometimes, and I'm sure if you've got friends who are not Christian or loosely connected to the church, and you ask them, do you, do you see Christianity as love or something else? Some would say something else. And that's because they've heard little things, snippets of things that are not loving from the church. And I've had people talk to me and say, oh, how can you be a pastor of the church? I was at a church once and they weren't that loving. They weren't that perfect. And that is a great opening for me to go, we go to church because we're not perfect, because we're not always loving, because we need God's love and forgiveness. But this message of love also encourages us to think about is what is love. And there's been a few songs written about that. And the reality is that people have their different definitions of love. Some people, and you may have fallen into this trap yourself, of going, I don't feel loved. Therefore, I'm not going to associate with this person or I'm not going to be with this person or I'm going to be grumpy with my partner. And a lot of that's to do with definitions. One gentleman who's done a lot of work in this area is a gentleman called Gary Chapman. And he works in the area of relationships and I use a little bit of this in our pre-marriage counselling, encouraging people to explore that not everyone sees love in the same way. Not everyone sees love in the way that you see it. And, and, And unless we're exposed to this, we often fall into this trap that this is the way I see love and therefore everyone should accept it. And he's written this book called The Five Love Languages. And if you want to find out what your love language is, you could read the book. And you can also do a quick Google search and there's a love language survey. And one of the things that comes up in the love language survey is there are five main ways people um, feel they're loved. And not everyone's the same. Some people will feel love through words of affirmation, you know, where their partner or a friend or a mother or a father or people around them will say positive words and encouraging words and praising words. Some people will feel more loved when they have quality time with somebody. Some people will feel more loved when they get a gift. Some people will feel more loved through acts of service and some people feel more loved through physical touch. Now, one of the things that they've discovered is that many people have predominant one love language, perhaps two. Uh, and the, the mistake that we make is the way we feel loved is often the way we love our partner. And that not might be the way they feel loved. For instance, in my situation, um, if you were to buy me a gift but not spend much time with me or not do much service with me, I may not feel loved. I probably wouldn't feel love and I wouldn't appreciate the gift. However, I know for a fact, 
after many years of experience, that if I don't buy my wife flowers, I will soon find out about it. I'll soon be reminded. And if I do buy my wife flowers, she really appreciates it. However, if she bought me flowers, I'd be going, so what? Because we have a different understanding of what love is about and how we like to receive that love. And so one of the the benefits of this book um, is to help us discover the other person's love language as well. It's best to use this book with partners, families and friends. He's actually written a book about families because here's the other interesting thing. If you have kids, your kids also may have different love languages. You know, some kids like to be cuddled and touched and other kids know So the encouragement here is to think of love not just from your own point of view but also from another another person's point of view. And then in today's reading, we are again reminded that this Christian message of love is central and as Christians, as disciples, we also need to understand what does it mean for God to love? What does that love look like? How does that love affect us? And how does that love affect others. A couple of weeks ago, we had a reading in church where unless you understood some of the Greek, you wouldn't have picked up this difference. But Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? The first two, he asked, do you love me? Agape love, which is this unconditional um, love that I love you, even if you're ugly, warts and all and everything, I'm going to continue to love me, love you. And, And Peter's response, yeah, I love you. But Jesus got a sense that Peter didn't really understand what he was saying. And in the end, he goes, I do love me in a philo love, which is a a brotherly love, right? Here, Jesus is talking about this agape love that he wants us to carry. And he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, this is not just a, a romantic or a feeling thing, and we'll discover it's got more to do with actions and more to do with the other person. But here's our challenge. We are human. Our challenge, we are human. We often think first of ourselves. And in some of the pre-marriage counselling material that I use and, and rely on, I come across this quote. It said, The problem with many people is they think they have picked up true love, but they haven't. They love not as Jesus does, sacrificially and to benefit others but to satisfy their own needs and feelings. Love is more about them than others. And the person who wrote this quote, or one of the people who have used this quote, is actually a person who confesses about why he committed adultery, because he was seeking love to satisfy himself first and not to satisfy his wife, and not to satisfy... And so it was all about him. And that is our challenge, is that we go around life and we have that thing of, I don't feel loved and therefore we react in a way, because I don't feel loved, I'm not going to do this for you, or you haven't done this for me, so I'm not going to love you. That's our problem, is we we approach love sometimes from this very self-centred approach, rather than the sacrificial approach that Jesus has. The good news is for us is that Jesus not only says love, he doesn't just instruct us to love, he doesn't just say God loves you, he actually shows us what love is. He goes out of his way to demonstrate love. First of all, in this verse, the context of this verse, if we went back to the start of chapter 13, of John chapter 13, 
It's, it's the setting of the Last Supper where Jesus has gathered his disciples and he's done the famous, what we know as the feet washing, where he's gathered his disciples and he's washed their feet. Now, the thing to remember culturally, the person to wash someone's feet at a meal would be the, the lowest servant, the servant on the lowest pay grade, the person who is not worth much. But what Jesus does as the Lord and master and the teacher of these people, he goes out of his way and he lowers himself and washes his disciples' feet. And then he says to them, now that I've washed your feet, you should wash each other's feet. In other words, you should have an approach to service, service of loving others, washing others' feet. And so he continues later on in this discussion with our reading from today. Love as I have loved, so people will know you're my disciples. And that gives us a a reminder of what love is about, because sometimes, particularly for those of us who have been well ingrained into Protestant or Lutheran theology, where we go, we are saved by grace, not by works. We can sometimes go, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. No, we're, we're saved, and that's true. We're saved because of God's love. But we should also remember this call to share God's love. Secondly, if you have a look at the stories of Jesus, and I'm going to leave you with a question to think about as you engage with the Bible, but have a look who Jesus walks with. Have a look who Jesus interacts with. Have a look who Jesus includes. A starting point is the disciples. The disciples from an earthly religious point of view are not the best people for Jesus to be associating with. Right? All those disciples are not people that the Jewish leaders would have selected to be part of their discipleship team. In fact, some of them were considered ratbags. Some of them were considered no-hopers by worldly religious standards. But Jesus included them and he associated with them and helped them on this journey and showed them love. And then we see story after story where Jesus interacts with people who are on the fringe of society, people who are not that well expected accepted. And even at times he associates with people where he shouldn't. There's a number of passages where um, you hear the Pharisees criticise Jesus and say, ah, he's associating with sinners. And that would be like saying today, you're associating with a prostitute or you're associating with a, a known criminal, right? And we have in society this thing of be careful who you associate with. Well, Jesus shows love to all these people on the fringes. And the other group that pops up is the people who are unwell, who are injured, who are sick, who have some disease, who have been crippled for ages. Now, for us, it sounds like, oh, we'll look after those because they need care. But if you go back to Jesus' time, one of the issues is all those people were considered people to steer clear from because there was a suspicion that, that their problems were caused by their sin. And so you see the, way, the people Jesus walks with and interacts with. And he shows love to people even though they don't deserve it. One of the things you can't help notice, someone quoted said, you can't help notice God loves the not so loving. And I think that's good news for each of us because if I was to go into your deep, dark past, say if I was to be able to go into your memory and pull out everything in your life and chuck it up on the screen... How many of you would be comfortable? There'd be some good stuff, but there'd be also some stuff you'd be going, I don't want people to know that. I'm a bit embarrassed by that. 
You know, I've, I've asked for God's forgiveness for that. And so there are even parts about each of us that are not so loving. But to remember this, God still loves us. And Jesus has demonstrated this through the New Testament. And the third aspect today, which is, most of us know this, but it's a good reminder of the important, is that God shows his love to us by actually dying on the cross and paying the price for our sins. Not because we deserve it, not because we have a right to it, but because he created us and he loves us and wants to be with us forever. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 to 11 summarises this very well. It says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, in other words, he sent his son to take our place in paying for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so when we see this picture, if we want to understand love, we need to look at Jesus. We need to look at who he is, what he does, how he interacts with people. You know, sometimes we can have the impression that he doesn't like the Pharisees. Well, he doesn't like what they do. But one of the things, if you read the Gospel of Luke, what you see is Jesus will often have meals with them, even go to their house and spend time with them because he loves them and wants them to know the truth. The problem is they just don't get They don't take notice of his love. And so when we think about Jesus' love or Jesus' brand of love, the first thing to remember is Jesus' love is for others. Jesus loves to benefit others. Jesus died on the cross to benefit you so your sins can be paid for and you can have eternal life. That's the promise of God. Jesus' love, Jesus' brand of love, his way of love, is action more than words. Sometimes we talk about love, you know, he does speak about love, but what we actually see through Jesus is love and this call for us to be, have love through actions. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but sometimes I've had cases where people go, oh, yeah, I love you, but then they treat you as they don't love you. They do things or say things in an unloving way. St. Augustine made this comment. What does love look like? It has the hands to help others. It has the feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has the eyes to see misery and want. It has the ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of people. That is what love looks like. Love is about action. And the third way Jesus loves, the the love Jesus way is this. It's missionary. It's very mission focused and it has a purpose. If you go back to the reading today, it wasn't just go and love each other so they feel nice, go and love each other so they um, look good or feel welcome. It's about them knowing that you are a disciple of God, which means knowing, helping them know that God loves them, that you are here to help them connect with God, know God and help them to be saved by God. And so love, Jesus' love is a very purposeful missionary thing. Jesus came to earth for a very strong purpose to, as John 3, 16 to 17 reminds us, to, to love the world and save the world, not to condemn the world. That's what he wants us to know. And so I invite you to think about these three things about Jesus' love and what it means for you, if you're a disciple of Jesus, of what it means for you as you live in this world. 
Think about that Jesus gives you love. It's for your benefit. Think about that Jesus does that, not just through words, but also through actions. And think about it because Jesus did it so you can know God and his love and be benefited by that. But not only that, he then says to us, all right, here's the love, but don't just have it, keep it to yourself. Don't just have it to yourself. Also live in a way that help others know this love. And so when we think about these three things is, how do we go about life in loving others for the benefit of them? Now, I reckon God always has a sense of humour when I'm preparing sermons. Because occasionally what happens, I get a knock on the door. And I'm in the middle of preparing this sermon, and a bloke knocks on the door, and I, he goes, do you remember me? And I hadn't seen him for three years. And I go, I know what he's after. I know what he's about. And then I go, hold on a moment. I've been talking about loving people in the way they need to be loved for the benefit of others. Um, and what had happened, his father had died. His story was his father had died. He was here. He comes from Melbourne. He's been to this church a few times and um, we've helped him out a little bit. And I normally have a policy of not just giving out money, but he needed a little bit of money. And I kind of often do that with a bit of resentment and take, I thought, oh, God's just got this great sense of humour. This bloke needs some help to get back to Melbourne. And it wasn't much, so just gave it to him joyfully. Like sometimes I get a bit... Oh, you can have $5, but that's it. You know, don't come back and see me um, for a while. But I just kind of gave it to him joyfully because I had this ringing in my ears that this person needed some of God's love and help, right? So I encourage you to think about what does it mean to love in a way to bless others, not so you get something out of it. And this is a challenge because we as humans like to get thanked. We like to be appreciated, right? But remember that comment that God loves the unloving and some of the people that will interact in our lives will be people who are unloving. Think about also what it means to love, not just words, with words, but also with actions. And part of actions is spending time with people, making time for people, which is in our society when we're busy and we put a lot of things in our life can be a challenge. And lastly, think about ways of loving people Not just so they know you and think, oh, you're a great person, but they actually know God. Part of my discussion with this person was to remind him that he's loved by God and to pray with him and to actually encourage him to keep connected to God. Because in doing so, it's not about us. I've been in situations where people have said, I'm quitting this in the church. And I said, why? And they said, no one's appreciated. No one's loved me. And I kind of understand that. And I go, yeah, you know, we've got to do a better job at showing appreciation to people. But at the same time, I go, it's not about you getting thanked. Right? It's about you helping others in this journey. And so I want to leave you with two questions. Two questions to go away and reflect on and act on. And the first is about your relationship with God. As you read the Bible, especially the Gospels where you, and some of the early church writings, but especially the Gospels where you see Jesus at work and you can hear and watch him, I invite you to ask this question. What is, the, what is your reading revealing about God's love? As you notice Jesus, what does it reveal about God's love? What does it show you about God's love? 
And that's why we encourage you to have this daily Bible reading. That's why we encourage you to, to be part of a regular worshipping community because when you hear Jesus, you actually just start to see love from not your perspective, not somebody else's perspective, but from Jesus' perspective. And you start to see the way Jesus goes about life is a little bit different to the way many humans go about life. Most of us will say we want to be loving, but we'll put conditions on it. Most of us will say we want to be loving, but I'll only love if somebody loves me first. That's not the way God operates. God operates, he loves you first, regardless. Loves you warts and all. The second question I'll invite you to reflect on is this. Each day, consider who is God placing in your life? And what does it mean to love them Jesus' way? I don't know all your context, so I'm not going to go through heaps of examples, but what I encourage you to think about, how might you be able to show God's love? At your workplace, with your family, in all the different situations, even when you're in the supermarket. One of the things I hate is the elders here have gone predominantly self-service, right? What it stops me doing is talking to people, right? Talking to the cashier, but I always try if the cashier is open and they're always open to actually talk and the encouragement for us and I've shared this story before though is to think about how can love with the constraints of our workplace Um, in the previous congregation I was at there was um, not part of our church but another church because it was a small country town I knew him was a policeman who was a Christian right and he would say the world out there would say if I'm going to love people I should just let them get away with whatever right But he said, I can't do that because my job doesn't allow me to do that. And so there was one occasion where a young bloke was coming home at Christmas but decided that the speed limit should be about 150 kilometres an hour and he picked him up, which meant at that time not only were you charged and booked but your car was confiscated on the spot. And this was out of town. And the policeman said, I was in my right just to kind of leave him on the road and tell him, you know, use your phone and ring somebody to pick you up. But he said, it's Christmas. He's got a carload full of presents. So he said, put your presents in the back of the van. I'll go and drop you where you're going. And he did. It wasn't too much out of the road. Well, his parents weren't too happy to see the police car pull up on Christmas Day, but they're happy that their son was safe and had the presents. And that was one way he thought he could show love within the constraints of his work. And so I invite you to think about Each day, consider who's God placing in your life. And remember this, some of the people God places in your life could be quite easy to love. They're quite friendly, they relate, they pay back. They're similar to you, they think like you. But then you have other people who are not the easiest to love. You know, they may have mental health issues, they may have other issues, they may even be naturally grumpy. Have you come, you may have... I've got a number of people that I come past, they're just naturally grumpy and they're always negative and they're pessimistic and they complain about everything. And I find them draining. I've got one bloke who rings me up at least once a fortnight and, he, and it's never, oh, can I do this for you? It's, uh, can you do this for me all the time? And I go, oh, I kind of have to work out and pray for God's help to deal with that some days because I'm not in that mood or space. Um, and I keep praying, and sometimes I haven't done well, so I pray about how can we respond better the next time. Because I want to be able to show this person God loves them, 
regardless of what their situation. Now, I know part of his story. He's had a bit of bad time. But they're the two things I want to leave you with. First of all, reflect on and act on as you read the Bible, especially the stories of Jesus. What is this revealing about God's love? And secondly, each day consider who is God placing in your life and what does it mean to love them Jesus' way? What does it mean to help them know that they are loved, not because they've done anything for you, not because they're attractive to you, but because you want them to know God's love? And so I leave you with the passage we started with. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our ability to love, our reason for loving, doesn't start with us, but it starts with Jesus, the one who has loved us greatly. And may that love of God that has come into this world that has said he was prepared to die on the cross for you and rise for you so you can have life eternally. May that love inspire how you love others. Go in his peace and go with his love. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of love you have for us. Pour down your Holy Spirit on us and help us in this journey of loving others. Lord, when it's difficult for us to love someone, remind us again of the love you have for all people, for all sinners. Remind us again that you are with us and help us to draw upon the love you have for us. Loving Father, I thank you for the love you have for not just me, but for everyone here. The love you're continually showing everyone, regardless of who we are, where we've come from, what we're thinking about and the love that gives us a future and a life, and a love that says we are part of your family. Loving Father, we also pray for those people who come in our lives who need your love, who don't know you, who struggle in this life and therefore struggle to be loved. Lord, may you open up doors, may you place people in our lives that they are loved, and may you help us to show your love in all circumstances. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.